couple of weeks ago, we spoke about biblical decision-making, and I shared with you the num a number of principles around making decisions in a godly way. Remember that? What are some of the key principles we covered? Is it in line with God's word? Remember that? Right? Do you feel peace in your heart? What is your conscience saying? What about providential circumstance? So we covered a number of areas. And then last week we spoke about the cost, counting the cost. And specifically we spoke about counting the cost when you make certain decisions, but also the cost of discipleship. And now today we're going to talk about the uncommon giver. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? The uncommon giver. The uncommon giver. All right. We're not going to have a kingdom business forum this, this coming week. This would have been the message I would have taught there, but we're integrating it for everyone to hear. All right. If I taught it in that context, I would call it the marks of a kingdom financier. But it's the same thing. So I'll be using those terms interchangeably. The uncommon giver. Are you ready? All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 7. Verses 1 to 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of every severe, a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How many of you sometimes feel poor? How many of you have been in times where you are in lack? I promise you, if you receive this message, and I'm not just sharing information, I believe it will be an impartation of revelation, you will never be the same in this area again. Amen. Do you believe that? Are you expectant? It says here, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that is unmerited favor that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, it didn't say the grace God has given specific individuals in that church. It's saying the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. And this morning, the grace God has given Go Christian Church. As your faith is this morning, so it shall be. I'm telling you now, as your faith is this morning, so it shall be. The, the word of God tells us that anything that is not from faith is sin. So when you listen to a message, listen in faith. For some of you who've been bound by the fear of lack that's being broken right now. For some of you who've been bound by the spirit of poverty, it's being broken right now. For some of you who've been bound by the spirit of mammon, that's the demonic entity that controls materialism in this world, it's being broken off you right now. And it says here, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, some of you have experienced testing, you've experienced tribulation, you've experienced trials. Their overflowing joy, isn't this wonderful? Doesn't matter what recession might be taking place, you can be overflowing in joy. How many of you know that kingdom wealth is not limited to a particular season? Kingdom wealth is not limited to a government system. Kingdom wealth is not limited to the weather conditions. And I'm going to show you that in a short while. It's not limited. 
In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Don't ever say to yourself, I can't give because I don't have much. Because in their lack, they were still generous. You know, one of the things I find amazing is when you go to those rural areas, and we've all been to those rural areas, where you meet an old lady there, and she doesn't have much, but somehow she finds something to give you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now watch this. Just stay with me and watch this. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. The Bible talks about how they will sow in tears, but they will reap in songs of joy. How many of you know that sometimes when you sow in tears, you are sowing a financial seed, you are giving, but you are like, hey, but I don't know what next month is going to look like. How many of you have been in that place? I'm not talking about when you give of abundance, when you give from a place of abundance. I'm not talking about when you give your small change. I'm talking about when you sow in tears. And look what it says. It says, <laughs> this, this is amazing. It says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. So they didn't have to be co coerced. They didn't have to have an offering message every single minute in order to give. But they had this revelation that was imparted to them. And it says here, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. How many of you have ever had someone who comes to you and they actually urgently plead and say, please, please give me an opportunity to give? That's what we're talking about. Not when people give, only when they're coerced to do so. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. Giving is a privilege. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people Verse 5, and they exceeded our expectations. We're talking this morning about the uncommon giver. The giver who gives beyond expectation. Where you thought the giving would be at this level, but it was at another level. Amen? They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. This is key. And then by the will of God also to us. You see, some people in their giving, they make the mistake of thinking their giving can compensate for their ungodly lifestyle. I've seen it happening. I still remember years ago, we were pastoring a particular church and a guy came to me and he said, Pastor, Pastor, you know what? I want you to be the first to know this. I've come from a difficult background, but I'm now a business person. And this is what I want to do for the church, A, B, C, D. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, ask him about his marriage. I said, how's your marriage doing? And he said to me, ah, oh, pastor, um, yeah, it's okay. But you know, obviously sometimes we get upset with each other. Sometimes I'll be irritated with my wife. And I said, what do you do to your wife when you're irritated with her? Ah, oh, no, sometimes I get angry and I don't speak nicely to her. What else do you do? Ah, oh, sometimes I then beat her up. He was using his giving to compensate for an ungodly lifestyle. But when we look here in scripture, it says to us, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to, to bring also to a completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, I mean, if you know, it's possible to excel in all areas, but not in giving. Because here he says, you excel in faith. So these were people of faith. In speech, they spoke well. This is the church at Corinth where spiritual gifts were manifesting. They were experiencing miracles. You guys excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge. But you can't use that as an excuse for not excelling in what? He says, you guys excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. But when it came to their giving, they were still average. He says, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And that's my message to you. See that you also become an uncommon giver, not an average giver. Amen. So what are the marks of an uncommon giver? What are the marks of this type of person we're talking about? This person whom we sometimes describe as a kingdom financier. What are the marks? What are the traits of this individual? The first point, and we see this in the scripture, is they're submitted first to the lordship of Christ. They're submitted first to the lordship of Christ. Pastor Trace was praying about that. We know that Jesus is our savior. He rescued us from darkness. But we also have to recognize that he's our kurios. What is that? He's our Lord. He's the one who calls the shots. And there are many people coming to church today and they'll say, yes, Jesus, let me try Jesus. I want him to save me. I want him to rescue me. Oh, let me go from prophet to prophet to be rescued, to be delivered. That's what that word rescue speaks of. It speaks of deliverance. It speaks of freedom. And on the African continent, we've got a lot of that. But what we need more of is understanding the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? They're submitted first to the Lordship of Christ. This means that they don't see their giving as a compensation for worldliness. Do you remember back in the day in ancient times where they would have indulgences? You remember indulgences, right? Where they would literally feel like, you know what, because I feel so guilty for my sin, let me go and pay the Pope. Let me go and pay the priests. Let me go and give my indulgences, okay? Which was money they would give to compensate for their lifestyle. How many of you know that there's only one thing that can deal with sin in our lives, and that's the blood of Jesus? Amen. I like what Larry Burkett said. Giving should be an outward material expression of a deep spiritual commitment, an indication of a willing and obedient heart. Your giving is reflected in your lordship. Amen? In your understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ, your giving flows out of that. The second mark of an uncommon giver is that they recognize that God is their source. They recognize what? That God is their source. If you believe you're called to entrepreneurship, and so many people who come through our ministries, they become entrepreneurs. It's just this thing that we carry. They become entrepreneurs. How many of you have seen that happening, right? 
We've seen that transition. There's a strong grace on this ministry for that. But I realized that although I taught on entrepreneurship, I hadn't taught a lot on being a kingdom financier and being one who's an uncommon giver because the two go hand in hand. Amen. The journey you go through as a kingdom entrepreneur is a journey of absolute dependence on God. Where sometimes he'll take you through a season where you're like, what's happening, Lord? Where's the cash? And he's shifting you and he's stripping you so that you come to a place of not seeing your boss as your source, but seeing him as your source. I want to encourage those of you who are students here. How many students do we have? Okay. I've got my nephew and my niece right here. Okay. My, my older brother, David, you guys have met him before. Okay. And uh, two of their kids. And Alistair, it's great to have you. He's studying at UCT at the moment. And Tia, she's sort of doing a semi-gap here. She's a brilliant musician. And she'll be at, um, at Stellenbosch um, next year. That's, that's the plan of action. If you guys want to hear her play afterwards, you can also. And you can connect uh, with them. But it's great to have them. But how many of you are students here? I want to encourage you, if you're a student, learn to see God as your source. Believe God for financial miracles, not just, oh, one day when I start working, one day when I start earning all that money. But even while you're a student, believe God for bursaries. Amen. Believe God for scholarships. They recognize that God is their source. This is a deep place of faith and trust where you have an understanding of Jehovah Jireh. How many of you have been through stuff in your life where God has given you a personal revelation of his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. How many of you have been through that? I'm seeing hands, I'm seeing hands, I'm seeing hands. Okay? That's very powerful. This means that they've been through the school of hard knocks, where they now know him as Jehovah Jireh. Have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. I'm telling you, as you receive this revelation, there'll be financial miracles in your life. Some of you who've been struggling and you're just barely making it, you'll see how to shift gears to your next level. Amen. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 to 18. It says here, you may say to yourself, my power and, my, and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. So we realize that in the mind of God, he knows that there's that tendency. There's that tendency in us that the moment we begin to prosper, people say, what's the key? What's the key to your prosperity? You will turn around and you'll say, well, let me explain to you my skills. Amen? He knows human nature that that is our tendency. And in fact, some of you, that's how you're thinking right now. When you're thinking of your testimony, you're thinking, mm, I'm going to explain to them my skills. Now here he says, you may say this to yourself. So you might not say it publicly to people. Publicly, you might say, hey, we give God the glory, Pastor. Hey, Pastor, we've had these amazing breakthroughs. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Publicly, that's what you'll say. But here he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my own hands have produced this wealth for me. But look at verse 18. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability. Now that word ability, in some translations it says the power. So there's an anointing, a supernatural power for wealth creation. Amen? Amen. 
Can you see that? He gives you that power. And there's some of you, you are functioning on your natural talent right now. And you think like, oh yeah, so things are okay. Because you've measured wealth based on being able to pay your bills. And have a little extra cash for your annual holiday. You've measured wealth based on that, but you haven't yet tapped into a supernatural ability to produce wealth. Are you following me this morning? Now watch this. But remember the Lord your God. So that's the key. Remembering him. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So wealth is not evil. If wealth was evil, why would God give you the ability to produce something? Are you following? Why would God give you the, the ability to produce something that's evil? Right? And, and what is he doing in this? It says, and so confirms his... Just say it out aloud. And so he confirms his covenant. So the wealth is based on what? The wealth is based on covenant. Covenant is just a big word for an agreement. That's, the, that's a major shift in terms of tapping into kingdom wealth. Understanding that kingdom wealth is covenantal. It's based on an agreement you have with God. Now let's... Let's go a little bit deeper into this. It says, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now, I want to explain something to you here. Some people think that just because I'm a Christian, certain things are automatic. How many of you know that to go to heaven, do you have to be prosperous? Do you have to have lots of money? No, you don't. Okay? So wealth is primarily not a promise. You understand? It's not like, oh, because you're a Christian, oh, you'll be wealthy. Wealth is primarily covenantal. Now, what happens in a covenant? There are certain terms of a covenant, aren't there? And we'll go into some of those terms because there are things that Jesus has spoken about where he says, give, and what happens? And will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is covenantal language. Jesus is basically saying, you know what? This is my commitment to you. But to trigger this dim dimension, this is what I need you to do. Amen? And some people say, oh, but that's works mentality. That's what Let me tell you something. You can never outgive God. If I say I've got a million rand for you, that needs to be collected, but it's for you. I've got a million rand for you. But listen, you need to go to Mahalisburg to go and collect it. Would you say, ah, that's work, pastor. To go all the way to Mahalisburg, eh, that's work. You're, you're teaching works now. Will you say that? No. So when Jesus says give, and it will be given, given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, his grace and his abundance is far bigger than whatever you can give. Amen? Number three, they know their place in the local church. You see, some people have this mindset of, yeah, you know what, my role is just giving. But they don't have a revelation of what their place is in the local church. I know I'm just a giver. That's all I do. That's my role. But we never see them at church. Your giving can never compensate for your role in the local church. Amen? Watch this. They know their place in the local church. How do we know that? Number one, they're submitted to pastoral leadership. Some people think because of how much they give, they don't have to be submitted to pastoral leadership. We've seen this happening. 
We've seen people in churches where because of their giving, they end up with a mindset of thinking, you know, I, I know of situations where a guy, rich business person will go and will say, Pastor, you need to make the following decisions. If you don't do A, B, C, D, I'll, I'll leave with my money and with a group of people. You have people who have that mindset because somehow they believed a lie and it's a form of conceit. Conceit is where you think of yourself more highly than you ought. And they believed a lie and the lie they believed is because of my financial clout, I now have another position in the church. How many of you know what ends up happening is what we call spiritual trespassing? What is, what is spiritual trespassing? It's where you give yourself a position in the spirit or in the local church that God hasn't given you. Amen? So you have some people, because of their generosity, because of the gift of giving in their lives, they begin to think like, now, okay, yeah, I'm actually the visionary. No, pastor, you shouldn't be spending money on this. You should spend money on this. Amen? How many of you know that if you then position yourself in the spirit, in a place that God has not given you, you're exposing yourself to the demonic spirits that are assigned against that particular person. Because you're saying, I'm now in this role, in the spirit. Are you following? There's certain demons that are assigned to take out specific pastors. But you know what? As pastors, we have to learn how to deal with those spirits. Amen? But when you try and then position yourself and say like, no, yeah, and play a role God has not given you, you trespass in the spirit and you can experience backlash spiritually. Are you following this morning? Right? They are submitted to pastoral leadership. Secondly, they know they're not the visionaries of the church. This is a common thing that happens and that's why I want to address it. Because for some of you, you're about to experience breakthroughs like you've never seen before. Because of your faith, because of your giving. But what happens is that it's so easy to end up short-circuiting what God wants to do in your life. Because of pride. Amen? Your role isn't to, to share with the pastoral leadership. This is what's important to spend money on. Are you following me? That's the role of pastoral leadership. Your role is to say, what have you said in the past? I appreciated the guys who um, some weeks ago began to reignite something in me. Some guys came to me and said, Pastor, you spoke to us last year about a vision to buy our own place, to buy our own building or to build. They were reminding me of the vision that I had. Amen? And that's a good thing. But not to come and say, this is what we should actually be spending money on. Not on this. That's a waste. It should be actually be on this. Unless you've been invited to give that advice. You're following? All right? And they're exciting things, exciting projects that are going to be taking place and we'll be giving you more detail on that. Next is they've got a heart to serve. Isn't it wonderful when someone has got the gift of giving but also the heart to serve? So nothing is beneath them. I know certain places where people, because of their wealth, they think that you know, they have to have special seats in a church. I remember being in a church setting where certain business people would get the special seats. I remember being a pastor in a particular environment and going and I wanted to sit down somewhere and the child of one of the business people said, oh, sorry, this, these are our seats. This is where we sit. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, when I look in scripture, it says give double honor to those who are elders in the church, especially those who do the work of teaching and preaching. Because I always like looking at the word. I never saw it saying, you know, give double honor or triple honor to people just because of the money they have. Amen. 
They have a heart to serve. As God begins to increase you, as God begins to prosper you, remain humble. Ask yourself, is there something that I think is beneath me? And if you're too proud to do those particular things, just do them. Just do them as a test in your heart. I remember a particular billionaire's wife sharing with me, saying we went for a particular meeting in, uh, in the particular church they were involved in. It was a particular conference. And you know sometimes to have special seating, when you go for the special seating, you sometimes want to take a shortcut and then they can lift up the railings so that you can just go down underneath those railings. And she said, you know what, my husband is a proud man. Pastor Paul, my husband is a proud man. He wouldn't be willing to actually bend down to actually go down those railings. What is it that is beneath you? Have a heart to serve. The uncommon giver does not use his giving to control. The uncommon giver does not use his giving to what? To control. Okay? Some people do that. You know, sometimes you can give finances to someone and secretly what you want back is, you know what, I want you to respect me more because I've done this. How many of you know that that's love with a hook? That's love with a hook. Make sure as God begins to increase you, your love never has a hook. Ah, because I gave to the church X amount, therefore the pastor must always just jump whenever I want to have a meeting with him. And I can't wait two weeks. Because I'm a big giver in this church, no. As soon as I want to meet him, it must be like yesterday as my reward. You see, what happens is that the moment you do something and you're looking for that reward from people or that honor from people, you are short-circuiting the honor that comes from God. Are you hearing me this morning? You're short-circuiting the honor that comes from God. Jesus says, I do not receive the honor that comes from man. I receive the honor that comes from God. I don't know about you, but I want to be recognized in heaven. Jesus says something very powerful that if you are ashamed of me and of my teaching, so will I be ashamed of you when I'm in the glory of my father's splendor. But he who recognize me, be, recognizes me before man, so will I recognize in the presence of my father. I don't believe that just talking about judgment day or in the hereafter, as they say. I believe it's talking about now. I don't know about you, but I want to be that person who's recognized in heaven right now. That when I begin to pray certain prayers, I get heaven's attention. And all of a sudden, angels are mobilized. Heavenly resources are mobilized to activate the certain miracles that I'm praying for. Amen? I want to be recognized in heaven. But I'll short circuit it if I seek honor from man. Amen? I'm sharing with you the things that hinder people when they become wealthy like many of you will. The things that hinder people who become kingdom financiers, but it doesn't last that long because they don't have these foundations. Amen. Amen. Their identity is not in their wealth. You see, when you know your place in the local church, there's a humility about you and your identity is not in your wealth. So you don't strut confidently just because God is now prospering you. Because you understand it's the grace of giving. He's divinely enabled you to give. It's not from yourself. Amen? They know that they could lose it all tomorrow. You see, that's the humbling thing about wealth, isn't it? It can go tomorrow. Tomorrow, all my clients can say, Hey, yeah, Paul, you know what? You're not a priority anymore. 
We know that. It can go when? Tomorrow. And when you understand that, you begin to trust God all the more. Even those of you who think you're very secure because you're permanently employed somewhere. You know, many people have got this thing where their life goal is permanent employment. Like if I'm employed permanently, then ah, it's like, I just want that, Lord. No. There are many companies retrenching people today. Many companies that have become white elephants. We need wisdom when we apply for jobs because you can apply thinking, oh, this is an amazing organization. Then when you dig a bit deeper, you start seeing that, wait a minute, yeah, they've got money that was invested way back. But for the last 10 years, they haven't been making any money. Amen? Amen. So be very careful about that. So how do you secure your finances? Make sure it's in God. Amen? In his kingdom. Philippians 4 verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul speaking. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. How many of you know that this is something you have to learn? He says, I've learned the secret. It's almost like a mystery, but God gives us mysteries only to reveal them, isn't it? He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I don't like my level of joy to be based on what my bank balance is saying. Amen? I like to monitor myself. And if I'm having a bad week and I'm feeling a bit low and I'm like, what's wrong? What's bothering me? I like to make sure that my mood and my level of joy is not linked to where I'm at financially. Amen? I have learned the secret of being content when in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's just one of the tests. As God begins to prosper you, he takes you through that school of hard knocks. Some of you are going through it right now. And some of you might find you keep going in circles, circles, circles. Why? You haven't yet learned to be content. That you know what, God? Even though we don't have much right now, I can be overflowing in joy like the Macedonian churches. Amen? Kingdom financiers can be taken captive in the following way. Sometimes you end up being offended that others are not given. You end up offended. I've seen it in churches where it's like, yeah, but pastor, I think you must speak to everyone about this. Yeah, because, you know, and you can see that offense is building up because, hey, we are the ones carrying this church. Let me just say something. It's only a handful of people who actually really know the distribution in terms of all the giving. And I've seen this happening in churches where people, they'll they'll, they'll want to share with me something and they're not quite sure, like, can they say it or not? And then they say, this is how much we actually give, Pastor. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy is so impressed with himself, but it's actually not that much in the grand scheme of things. I'm just being honest. Don't, don't be too impressed with yourself because you don't know the different levels of giving. You, you get what I'm saying? And God is the one who judges based on what you've got to see are you giving in proportion to what you get. If you've come from a background where you've grown up in churches, where, where you were taught by missionaries that, you know what, don't worry, we know that African people are poor, so just give your, your loose change if you can. So you're impressed with the two rand that you give. And then the one day when you give two grand, you think like, oh, this hey, God must be impressed with me. He'll definitely hear my prayers right now. But you don't know what others are giving. Are you you're following me? 
Okay? So don't be quick to judge. Sometimes kingdom financiers are offended that others are not giving. Sometimes they are offended that money is not going to what they deem to be priority projects. Sometimes they are offended that they're not getting the recognition they feel they deserve. Be very careful about that. And not just because of your giving. Maybe you're someone who serves quite a lot. And you're like, hey, but the pastor, they, he, he never visits me. But I see him hanging out with those other people. Maybe I'm hanging out with them because they knock a lot. And maybe I only end up meeting them the fourth time they've knocked. But maybe you're afraid of knocking. Amen? They use their giving as a payment for proximity to leadership. Because I give so much, therefore I must actually be close to the pastors. You see, sometimes that's a lie from the devil and it ensnares you and you get offended. Amen? And sometimes there's the entitlement mentality. Special seating. The fourth mark of the uncommon giver, they dream with God. They dream with God. Do you know that there are people today who are dreaming with God? How many of you have ever had a business idea given to you through a vision or a dream? A business idea given to you through a vision or a dream or a prophetic word. Anyone here? Okay. If you look at, at my book, okay, I see someone there. If you look at my book, um, Kingdom Business, I talk about that principle. And in some of my seminars, what I actually do is I'll say, let's dream with God right now. And then I, I trigger it by sharing a few ideas. And it's amazing how many hands go up where people will say, God has actually just given me a revelation of something I should run with. How many of you know that if you do a God-given project, it flies? But if you do something in the flesh, it's stagnant. Right? I want to encourage you, read Bill Johnson's book, Dreaming with God, and you'll see some testimonies there. Bill Johnson's book, Dreaming with God, of people who literally have had supernatural encounters with God where he says, start a business in this area, and they've prospered. They've become millionaires as a result of that. I still remember the people who um, print my book, Ramata, um, they're Christians, the owners, and we prayed together when we were negotiating the printing prices and everything like that. And then one of them just said, you know what, Paul, I'm not just seeing books. I'm also seeing games. I'm actually seeing games. And you know what? I took that word as a prophetic word. And it was from there that all my card games were birthed. And now with the card games that I'm using, when I go into certain corporate environments, people are like, Paul, you need to trademark these. Paul, you need to get this out. People are like, can we buy this? How much? How much? How much? Right? It wasn't my idea. It was a prophetic word that I got. Amen? God is releasing right now and he's activating ideas. God ideas. Business ideas. Not from the flesh. Business ideas. Dream with God. They want to make lots of money for the kingdom, not just small change. One of the marks of a great entrepreneur is achievement orientation. If you're the kind of person where your mindset is, yeah, I just want to do something as long as me and my family can survive. I want to start a small business just as long as we can survive. That's false humility. And let me tell you something, that is not the mindset of an entrepreneur. If you've got that mindset, that's fine. Start your little small business and so on. But I'm talking about kingdom finances here. Their mindset is, it's not just about us four and no more. Or us five and no more. Right? It's actually about the kingdom of God. 
Are you dreaming with God? And let me say something. God's dreams are big. God's dreams are big. You know how sometimes you know it's from God? Sometimes it will frighten you. Because he's a big God. He's not a small God. I know, Paul, just as long as we are okay as a family, then I'm content with that. There's no ambition there. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, by the way. The Bible doesn't speak against ambition. Ambition is basically achievement orientation. The Bible speaks against selfish ambition. So what's your ambition for? If you're ambitious for the kingdom of God, that God, I just want to make a lot of money and I want that money to come through me because I want to channel it right. Why should all the guys who are the pimps out there, the guys in the porn industry out there, why should they be making lots of money and Bible-believing Christians who are generous people who want to shape communities remain average and poor? Why? In Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who does what? Who teaches you to profit. Isn't that powerful? I'm the Lord, your Redeemer, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Open your heart to dream with God and to allow him to teach you to profit. Kingdom businesses should be making a profit. Amen? That's actually one of the marks of a kingdom business. It's profitable. If you're running a business and you've been running it for years and it's not profitable, you should actually be thinking, oh, well, what's the story here, Lord? I need to go back to the drawing board. Amen? If you look at Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman was an entrepreneur. And what's amazing about her, it says that her business was profitable. The fifth mark is that they proactively look for opportunities to give. If you're a true uncommon giver, if you're a true kingdom financier, you put pastors under pressure because you're the ones who are phoning us and you're saying, is there a project that's happening? Because I'm about to start a business in a particular area and I'm looking for a project because I've covenanted with God. I've made an agreement with God that X amount of the income that I make from that particular client, I wanted to build God's kingdom directly. So pastor, is there a project? And then we are the ones now who should now be thinking of, eh, these guys are putting, keeping me on my toes. Oh, I need to give specifics. And then I call a meeting and then I say, guys, this is the plan of action. In a year's time, we want to purchase our own building or we want to build our own building. But this is what we will need. You can be involved because you can give us this form of labor because of the skills that you have. You over here can be involved in this area. You here can be involved and this is how much it's going to cost. It keeps me on my toes. Amen. You see, the Macedonian church, what did they do? They applied pressure onto the apostles and they said, hey, we want the privilege of sharing with other people. Please give us this opportunity. They're proactively looking for opportunities to bless. Amen? That's the nature of this covenant. Number six, their generosity is not compartmentalized, but it affects all of life. So we're not talking about people who are generous when it comes to the local church or when it comes to their tithing or their offerings, but they're stingy when it comes to tipping waiters. 
but they're stingy when it comes to paying their employees. Amen? If you look at Business God's Way, I think a number of you have read the book, where I talk basically about the role of an employer with an employee and how you should treat your employees. And one of the key things is a generous heart. If you look at Proverbs 31, you'll notice how the Proverbs 31 woman looked after all her maids, the Bible says, and she was generous toward them. You see, your generosity is not compartmentalized, but it affects all of life. You're not just giving to the church, but you're stingy to your employees. Mark number seven. Mark number seven of an uncommon giver. They have a stewardship mindset. They have a stewardship mindset. And guys, this is one of the learning points in terms of kingdom wealth and kingdom prosperity. Having a stewardship mindset. What's a steward? A steward is someone who looks after something that does not belong to him or her. Amen? It belongs to another and it's entrusted to them. So whatever wealth you have, have a posture where you say, God, you're the one who's allowing me, you're entrusting me to look after this money for you, but it all belongs to you. How would you have me use it? Amen? You know why a lot of Christians don't have a breakthrough in terms of prosperity? They don't have the stewardship mentality. They don't have the stewardship mentality. I like something that Charles Somole said, kingdom wealth can never be acquired. It can only be entrusted. Kingdom wealth can never be acquired. It can only be entrusted. So how does it work? Kingdom wealth is a position in the spirit. It's a position in the spirit that you attain because God is saying, I can trust you to be a steward of this wealth. Amen? Before you've actually seen the manifestation of the wealth. So you might not have even touched it or experienced it. But God looks and he sees that because of the covenant that you have with him, he takes you to another level. And then what you do is when you work, when you go and you sign that deal, you are doing that to activate this thing from the spirit to the natural. So you see, when we go to work, whatever type of work you're doing, when you go as a salesperson doing whatever you're doing, if you're going to prosper in that environment as a believer, it's not just because of the work you're actually doing. It's because of the covenant you have with God and he's placed you in a certain position. And that's why when you're now doing your engagements, making money, there's an ease, there's a grace. Are you following this morning? It's something that happens in the spirit first. Otherwise, there are people who should be making more money than you. Why? Because they're working harder than you and they're using better skills than you are. But why is it that you have the breakthrough? It's covenantal. Amen? And a lot of people don't understand that. Randy Alcorn said, Our stewardship of our money and possessions becomes the story of our lives. The stewardship of your money and your possessions becomes the story of your life. And that's why Jesus spoke on this subject so many times. I'm telling you right now, if you want breakthrough in your life, if you want to go to your next level, don't just focus on, but I spiritually did this and I spiritually did that. And think that how you spend your money and how you give have got nothing to do with everything else. No, it's all spiritual. 
and God looks. Do you remember when he was parked off in the temple or synagogue and he was parked off observing? He was observing the giving, wasn't he? It says Jesus was looking and he was looking and seeing how people were giving. And what did he say about that widow? He says she's given more than all these people because she's given her last. How does God measure giving? Very often he actually looks not just at what you give. He looks at, looks at, are you giving proportionately to how you've been blessed? Amen. What's sad is often as people prosper, they actually give less. The physical amount they're giving seems like it's a lot more than they ever used to give. But as a percentage of their income, they're actually giving less. And then they con themselves that no, but the church must appreciate it because that was a lot of money. Amen? A stewardship mindset. You see, it's a system. I want to encourage you to develop a system for your giving. And I know my wife always talks about this. Where you have a system for your giving. Where you give systematically. Where it's not sporadic, but it's systematically. You see, what does system stand for? A system is an ongoing process that saves you stress, time, energy, and money. And continues to produce results. So the S is saves. The Y is you. The S is stress. The T is time. And the E is energy. And the M is money. That's a system. It saves you that. And it continues producing results. Amen. Number eight. They understand the different levels of giving. You see, there are different levels when it comes to giving. They function, these, these uncommon givers, they function at the highest level of giving. You see, we need to move people through a process from being a first-time giver, right, to regular giving, and then from regular giving to tithing, and then from tithing to extravagant giving. My question to you is, what level are you? Number one, you've got the non-giver. You've got the non-giver. That's someone who doesn't give. May that not be you. Amen? How many non-givers do we have? Don't raise your hand. Number two, we have the first-time givers. If you're a non-giver this morning, I want to encourage you to shift gears and be a first-time giver. Say, you know what, I haven't done this thing before, but I want to break something off my life. I'm going to do this. I want to break this fear of lack off my life, and I want to start giving. Even if it's just five rand, I want to start giving. That's what a first-time giver does. And then the third type of person is a systematic giver. These are people who give regularly. Now the challenge with systematic givers, it's wonderful that they give regularly, but they don't always give proportionately. You see, you can be regularly giving 2% of your income. You can be regularly giving 0.5% of your income. You're doing it systematically, you're doing it regularly, but it's not in proportion to what you're earning. Are you following? I want to encourage you. Maybe some of you here are first-time givers and you just have to shift gears and become a systematic giver where you just decide, this is what I'm going to do each month and you start doing it. It's a level of giving. Then you have proportional givers. This is what we call a tither. And God calls us to tithe. It's systematic and it's also in proportion to what you earn. What is a tithe? The tithe is 10% of your income 
That's what it actually means. That word tithe literally means 10%. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right? That's pr- those are proportional givers. I know as I've been teaching this, some of you have been thinking, I'm an uncommon giver and you're now getting scared here because you're like, hey, Paul hasn't actually even reached to the level of uncommon giver. And then the fifth level is what we call the extravagant giver or it's what we call sacrificial giving or what we call the kingdom financier or what we call the uncommon giver. Amen? The uncommon giver. Some of you are saying, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. The book of Psalms, 126 verse 5, says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. When was the last time you sowed in tears? I'm not saying physically crying. I'm saying being like David that, who said, I will not give that which costs me nothing. How many of you have been in a place recently in your lives where you say, I'm giving this, but ich, I know that in two months' time I need that. There are times when I'll talk to my wife about our giving and I'll say, you know what, let's just go for it in this particular arena because what we believe in God for is way, way more. Amen? And we need that breakthrough. As opposed to the mindset that says, hey, I'm not too sure. Hey, I'm not too sure because hey, in three months, hey, who knows? If you live in that space, of fear, you will never break the spirit of poverty over your life. Amen? Amen. And look, as we go deeper into these things, I'll break it down further. A lot of times people do things that guarantee that they'll never be poor. But they don't do the things that take them into a level of abundance. How many of you know the Bible says, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord? The Bible tells us that if if you give to the poor, God will restore it back to you. How many of you know that that guarantees not wealth, but it guarantees that you'll never be poor when you give to the poor? But can you see that there's a difference? And so a lot of people are giving in a way that stabilizes them and God meets all their needs, but they haven't tapped into being an uncommon giver where you're giving downward and upward. How many of you know that there are different dimensions of giving? When you give downward, we're talking about giving to those who are less fortunate, giving to those who don't have what you have. That's a dimension of giving. But there's also upward giving where you can give to those who have what you have or have what you want to have. Are you, are you following me now? How many of you know that there's power when you have that revelation that you know what? I really see something in this family. I really see something. The, the way they're raising their kids, I recognize that in them. And whenever God makes you carry a particular grace, a particular mantle, he's also giving you the ability to impart it to others because that's the nature of the kingdom of God. The nature of the kingdom of God, God blesses you to be a blessing. So that person who has what you want, when you respect that, one of the key ways, let me just explain this very quickly, one of the key ways of getting something from someone is respecting it. And very often we short-circuit the blessing of God that God wants to impart through that person, we short-circuit it in our lives because we don't respect it. The Bible says, he who receives a prophet as a, as a prophet will get the prophet's reward. So if I want that impartation of the prophetic, I need to recognize and respect what that prophet carries. If I just see that prophet as, ah, oh, trace that friend, ah, oh, trace that aunt, or trace that 
I will get the reward of what I'm seeing. Are you following me? There's a blessing in the downward giving, but there's also a blessing in the upward giving. Now, many people abuse this, obviously. You don't pay for the blessing of God. It's all by grace. Paul the Apostle says, freely have I received. Or it's Peter, freely as, I have, as I've received, so I give to you. Amen? No one is paying for it. But when you recognize it, you find that your posture is open to receiving it. And I'm not just talking about with pastors and ministry gifts, fivefold ministry gifts. I'm talking about a principle here in all of life. Here's how we short circuit God's blessings. Very often what happens is you, you yourself, maybe you've just got, let me give you an example. You're working for a corporation, and you're all, but you're always criticizing entrepreneurs. But you one day want to start your own business. It's important to actually acknowledge that these guys who are running their own businesses, they carry something that I'm not carrying. And to humble yourself and to say, Mr. Manua, can you give me some tips, please, for how to run a business? Are you following me? Where you humble yourself and say, Mr. Manua, there's something you carry. You're getting contracts from government and all sorts of things. I also want that. Please, can you pray for me? Because you carry something I don't carry. Amen? Right now, if I want to be strong on social media, if I want a strong following, I need to recognize those who carry that particular thing. You get what you respect. You get what you appreciate. Amen. Amen. Extravagant givers, they give sacrificially. They consistently give beyond the tithe. Please, the upward giving is an important principle to understand because often we are need-based when it comes to giving, aren't we? Often we are what? We're need-based when it comes to our giving. So our mindset is very much, ah, you know what, Paul drives a nice car. I'll never give to him because he doesn't need anything from me. Are you following me? I've seen certain people, certain people in this church. I'm thinking of people, uh, I know people don't like names being mentioned. So I've seen certain people in this church where I know that they will have breakthrough and they will prosper in the jobs and God will promote them because they recognize this, this particular principle. You know, I'm thinking of you, Tankisho, when you moved to your new job and what you did, the seed that you sowed, right? I've got a strong revelation that what God is going to do in your life, limitless, limitless because you understood that principle. You could have said, ah, there's no need there and so on, right? You could have done that. But you had that revelation. A lot of people don't. Amen? There have been situations where my, my own wife, where I'll be seeing that, okay, she doesn't really have any needs. She's got everything she, want, she wants. But the Lord will speak to me to go the extra mile to bless her with a particular thing. Because, and it's a form of giving. Into, you can also give your spouse. Amen? She hasn't asked for it. But you're doing it. You can sow even within your family. Amen? Kind of feel like we need to teach on this a bit more. Would you like that? A bit more in terms of understanding. Mark number nine. They understand the various forms of giving and they practice them. They understand the various forms of giving and they practice them. What do, you, what do we mean by that? They're tithing. Right? We're talking about the uncommon giver. They tithe. They give of their offerings. They're into sacrificial giving. They give their time, their skill, their labor. 
I was saying to Ben as we were traveling, he's very good as a handyman and can fix all sorts of things. I said, Ben, I appreciate all that you do for us. Right? He's a neighbor of ours and we just phoned him. Hey, Ben, can you sort out this for us? Ben, can you sort out this? And I said, Ben, you know what? As you are doing that, don't say to yourself, I don't have much money to give. Because when you're giving of your labor, right, in that way, you are giving, you're sowing a seed. And he said to me, I, that's so true, Pastor Paul. I do it with such pleasure. And you know what? I know that's a breakthrough for him. I know that it's a breakthrough for him because of who he's giving to. And I know what I carry. I know what my wife carries. I know it's a breakthrough for him. Are you following me this morning? Some of you need to think creatively about how you can give. You walk into the church building and you might see carpets peeling off and so on. Have a vision and say, oh, we want to fix this. We want to fix that. And then there's what we call alms giving. This is where you give to the poor and the marginalized. I've got a covenant with the Lord that I can't break around the poor and the marginalized. Where I know each month we've committed, we are saying there's the bread basket, they're the child-headed homes, and we give a certain amount toward that. For some of you, you need to be reminded every month. And that's why we include it in the announcement, right? Have a covenant, be covenantal. Where you're doing it, where there's a sense of, oh, I haven't yet done it, and you're doing it because it's part of an agreement you have with God. Are you following me? You see, when the church, the church will go to another level. We'll break the spirit of poverty where we don't have to be reminded week after week, oh, let's remember God. Why should we remind you? Why not be like the Macedonian church where it says, out from themselves, from their own volition, they did this. Number 10, they're covenantal. They're covenantal. In other words, they make agreements with God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give and will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know what Jesus is doing here? He's showing you a kingdom principle. He's showing me a kingdom principle. He's basically saying, guys, you can pray as much as you want for that financial breakthrough. Financial breakthrough, ladies and gentlemen, news flash, does not happen primarily because of your prayers. Financial breakthrough happens primarily because of the covenant you have with God. Are you following? Jesus didn't say, just pray for more money and it will come your way. Yes, there's a place of the prayer of faith that we make. But Jesus is basically showing you the key to unlocking wealth. And he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I hardly pray for finances. I rather ask God, Lord, what is the key in the covenant in order to unlock it? Because I know that he's already given me everything. I just have to figure out how to unlock it. Has that landed? You have to figure out how to unlock it because he's given it to you. Lord, what do I need to do to be entrusted with more? To have more finances flowing through me? Okay, just obey me in that other area you haven't yet obeyed me. Just obey me in that area where you've been stalling and procrastinating in your giving. Just obey me a bit more there, then I'll trust you with more. Amen? Praise God. Now watch this. 
You see, when you understand covenant, you have the revelation that it's not based on the government system. It's not based on the condition, weather conditions. Do you remember how Egypt was in famine, wasn't it? But do you remember that because of Joseph and the covenant God had with Joseph and the children of Israel, guess what happens? They were in the same environment, but God prospered them. Same weather conditions, God prospered them. I've been in situations where people in my industry will say, so it's tough, hey, Paul? Paul is tough, isn't it? And they want me to agree with them. And that's a trap of the enemy. There's power in agreement, isn't there? Jesus says, if two or three agree on a particular thing, in my name it shall be done. How many feel that that also works in the kingdom of darkness? The devil wants you to agree with his words. Be very careful who you agree with. Because people will come to you and say, it's tough, eh, Sean? It's really, really tough. In this it's tough for all of us, right? And the enemy just wants you to say, yes, it is tough. Oh, it's, making money is so difficult in South Africa right now, hey, Sean? Yeah, it's often with that accent, eh? <laughs> it's tough being a white person in South Africa. I think we should go away, hey, Sean? And now it's the other Sean. And what's happening? The enemy wants you to say, yes, it's tough because I'm white and I'm in this country and because of the recession, it's tough. And you've just given power for your finances to be locked, locked up. Amen? Watch this scripture. It says, now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 147. God will prosper you regardless of societal conditions, regardless of the government, regardless of the weather conditions. He will prosper you. Do you receive that? He will prosper you. I don't care if your industry is ailing. Why are there testimonies coming from your industry right now? Amen? Amen. Number 11, they are passionate about the local church and believe in its vision. They believe its vision is worthwhile. If you don't believe the vision of this local church is worthwhile, you won't sow into it. When we say we want to get LED screens, and by the way, we are halfway there. We're halfway there. Speak to Ishe if you want to be involved in that project, okay? LED screens. Those are things we will take to our next venue. It's not a waste. But if you don't understand the vision and you don't see it as worthwhile, you might just think, ah, that's a waste. This is what's important. Amen? When we say to you, we want to have our own venue, if your mindset is, ah, venue, it's not important. It's a waste of money. Why should we have a venue? That helps you. We're not sharing our branding with a whole lot of other shops. Amen? And watch how this ministry will grow as a result of it. Question is, do you believe that these things that we are sharing are worthwhile? Do you believe that the message that is going forth from this ministry is worthwhile? Do you believe that it's worth the world hearing what we are preaching? When you believe it's a worthwhile vision, some of you will be coming and you'll be saying, there's someone who came and said, hey pastor, you know, can we get you a cordless mic? We've had them in the past and so on, and sometimes they end up not working and things like that. Why? There's a sense of we value the preaching of the gospel here and we want it to be better. Amen? Look in Galatians 6 verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's a very powerful statement here. As we have opportunity, let us do good to these people. Why? God values the local church. God values the local church. I like what Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God's will will never take you where His grace cannot sustain you. If you're in God's will, He supplies the resources you need in order for you to do what you need to do. So what's our work? Our work is to figure out what His will is and to stay in His will if we want Him to provide for His will. Amen? And let me just say this. God's primary aim is to build His church, not your business. That's another shift eh, that has to take place in a lot of business people. We get so caught up with our vision and our dream and we just think that Jesus is just there and is so desperate to just grow our business. Let me tell you what he's desperate to grow, what he's desperate to build. He says, I will build, not your business, he says, I will build my church and against its gates, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? What is his agenda? It's to build his kingdom. What is the primary vehicle for the kingdom of God? His church. And guess what happens? If my business is helping to build the church, he will build my business. If my marriage is helping to build his church, he'll build my marriage. The Lord spoke to my wife some years ago and, say, and said to him, you know what? Take care of what's mine and I will take care of what's yours. If you have that shift where you understand, wait a minute, how am I partnering with his kingdom? How is my career partnering with his kingdom? God is interested in that. Sometimes we think God just wants to build us up and make us famous for the sake of it. No, he wants to make his son famous. When I do what I'm doing right now, I'm in a process where I'm being shifted in terms of my branding and various things I'm doing in the marketplace. I have to say to myself, how is this building his kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek the things, seek his, king, seek his kingdom. Amen. Amen. If your finance is building my church, the Lord says, I will build your finances. Amen. I will build your finances. Often they have the gift of giving. Often they have this gift of giving. If you want to be more generous as a person, get someone with a gift of giving to pray for you and to activate that in you. You see, when someone has the gift of giving, there's no love with a hook. Their mindset isn't, ooh, I'm only doing this because I want this back. They enjoy doing it and they give freely. In Romans 12, verse 3 and verse 8, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If it is giving, then give generously. And finally, they understand the power of agreement. They understand the power of agreement. Matthew 18 verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two or three of you, two of you on earth agree about anything, they ask for it, it will be done for them in, by my Father in heaven. Am I saying don't pray for finances? No. Pray and the prayer of faith will be heard. But don't be praying 
whilst not doing what you covenantally need to do. Why? You will pray and God will hear your prayer, but you will never see the manifestation of it because he's shown you how to make it manifest. Amen? You see, these people who believe in the power of agreement, they're not like a lot of people on this continent where they're like, I won't tell anyone, they might do juju on me. No. There's an openness to say, Pastor, this breakthrough has not yet happened yet, but I want to, can you stand with me and let's pray for breakthrough? That's the power of agreement. They pray for breakthrough with others. That's community, isn't it? I know certain small groups in this church that have experienced tremendous miracles. I remember Sean Roberts sharing with us some of the experiences they had, right? We've seen it in a number of the groups. That's the power of being in a small group. Amen? Are you ready to be an uncommon giver? Let's pray.